you'll find the reading in the book of Isaiah on page 740 of the Church Bibles and over into page 741. This morning's first reading is from Isaiah chapter 53, reading verses 1 to 6 and 9 to 12. Isaiah was born hundreds of years before Jesus but was given a vision of what the Messiah would be like in terms of his suffering, the suffering servant. So as we read through, you may be able to link some of the reading with what happened to Jesus when he was crucified and died. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now to verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though, the Lord, and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his righteous by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading can be found on page 1061 from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13.
Now that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with a, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Dila, very much for that reading. Uh, I
everyone, morning. I'll be really grateful if you would uh, keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 24, page 1061. Um, we're going to work our way through that together. Page 1061. Well, this morning we're going to be thinking about you. We're going to be thinking about you and your story, that's right. We're going to be thinking about the reason for the hope that you have, the reason that keeps you Christian, that keeps you going in the Christian life, uh, what keeps you trusting in Jesus. And as I'm speaking this morning, I want you to be multitasking. Now, I know that's going to be uh, easier, I'm told, for the ladies to do so. So for the guys, we've got our work cut out for us this morning. And what I'd uh, like us to be thinking through is about how, how does your story fit with God's bigger story? And how do you communicate the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus? How do we tell our story? Well, that's where we're going this morning. So I hope this morning is going to be really practical for us. Uh, I, I imagine in a room this size, there's, there's, there's probably some trepidation in the room as to what that might mean for us. Perhaps even a little bit of resistance coming from inside of us. This might sound a bit scary. But let's call out those fears at the start. Let's acknowledge the resistance that we might have to do this. Because we, not, we, we perhaps may not feel very confident in telling our story. We may not feel that we have a good story to tell. There's loads of people in this room. They've probably got a much better story than me. Let them tell their story. They can do a better job than I can. Well, we might not want to look stupid. It may not be natural to us to be someone who speaks about what God's done for us and in our lives. Well, they're great things for us to recognize together, aren't they? It's hard to tell our story. It's hard to talk to people about Jesus. And if that is how we feel, then I think we need to put in a little bit of work and do some work on what our story is. Now, I'm hoping to give us all a, a few pointers in how we can share our story, how we can communicate our story and God's big story this morning. But before we do that, let's dig into Luke chapter 24 and find the encouragement from these travellers on the Emmaus Road. And the first thing that I want to say to us this morning, my first point is pretty obvious. Disciples speak to one another about Jesus. That's what disciples do. They speak to each other about Jesus. So here's two disciples on that first Easter Sunday afternoon, and they're walking and talking along the road. They're on a seven-mile walk, not a 24-and-a-half-mile run like Dom's doing. It's a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So they're going just west of Jerusalem and a little bit north. And verse 14 tells us that they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Well, what had happened? Jesus had happened, didn't he? He'd exploded onto the scene and he taught amazing things. And he did the, the most incredible, miraculous signs before the people. And he was hated and he was arrested and he was beaten up and he was put on a cross to die. And now there's talk, some people are saying, he's alive again after he's being killed. Look at verse 15 and 16 with me. As they talked to discuss these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. Here's a searching question for us this morning. Who are you talking to about the Lord Jesus? Are you talking with other Christians about 
Jesus? Is that something that you're making a practice of? Is there someone here this morning in this room who you talk about Jesus with? Now, I'm not talking about a midweek Bible study or a life group. I'm talking about conversations one-to-one with another Christian. Who's that person for you? Uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. The writer of the Proverbs says, talking stuff through with other Christians, actually that's going to sharpen us. That's, that's, that's going to give us an edge. And I think, and I found in my experience, it's easier to talk to Christians before it is to talk to people who aren't yet trusting in Jesus. I wonder if you found that true for yourself. It's easier to talk to other Christians about Jesus than with people who aren't trusting in Jesus. And I think we can make this natural. We can naturally speak to each other about the Lord Jesus and what he's done. And it's worth taking the time to find someone to talk about Jesus with. It's worth investing uh, and finding someone to do that with. Because there's grace and blessing to be had with each other as we talk about Jesus with each other. Um, well, if you don't seem convinced, then some of you don't look convinced. I'm looking out there, and some of you aren't convinced in that. Flick back with me a few pages. We're going to go to the Italian prophet in the Bible. Page 962, Malachi. I'm sorry, that's about as good as the jokes get this morning. So, 962, uh, and we're going to look at verse 16 and 17 together. Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. When you and I talk to each other about Jesus, the Lord Almighty listens and he hears us. Isn't that an incredible motivation? The Lord Almighty says, they will be mine. They'll be my treasured possession. Well, I don't think I could find a bigger motive for us this morning. What encouragement. In our year of mission, as we think about and do turn outwardly to speak to others about Jesus, let's not neglect each other. Let's turn inwardly too. Let's encourage each other. Let's build each other up. Let's strengthen each other in the gospel. Let's sharpen one another so that as we build together, we might be better communicators to talk about God's story and our story in the world. And actually, as we love each other and have fellowship with each other like that, this is going to be a church that the world looks at and thinks, wow, that's amazing. Uh, It becomes attractive to the world. So as they say, practice makes perfect. So let's practice when we're sat at home talking about Jesus. Let's practice when we're walking down the road, when we're walking our dogs, when we're having coffee after the service. Let's practice talking about Jesus to each other. So firstly, disciples speak to one another about Jesus. Secondly, from this story, disciples aren't perfect. And that's a great relief, isn't it? And these these two disciples, they got some stuff wrong about Jesus. Look at verse 21 with me in Luke 24. Uh, They say, but we had hoped that Jesus of Nazareth was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, their view of Jesus was too small, it was too low, They were looking for a Christ who would only boot out 
the um, Romans from Israel and caused the Israelite nation to rise up in power. That's what redemption looked like for them, getting rid of the Romans. The idea of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for our sin, in our place, to make us fit for heaven, to redeem the broken world through Jesus rising again in glory and power, amazingly, that wasn't on their radar, even after Jesus had been talking about that and predicted that in his teaching. Jesus says in verse 25 over the page and 26, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. These disciples are remarkably ignorant. And yet that's brilliant. Why? Well, there's hope for me. Isn't that great? I'm a foolish disciple too. I'm profoundly slow of heart most of the time. I'm like a bucket that leaks water. So much so, I constantly need reminding of what God has said through the prophets and through the Old Testament. I constantly need reminding about Jesus' death and resurrection and what that means for me. Well, I think there's a double application here in what we see from these disciples. Firstly, there's a massive challenge on one hand. Don't be ignorant about the cross like these disciples were. Don't be ignorant about the greatest love story the world has ever been told, centred on the death and resurrection of Jesus and what he achieved for the world. And on the other hand, do be like these disciples. How? Have a willingness to learn, as they did, the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. Be teachable people. Be humble. Be ready to give up on our own ideas and our own prejudices as a better way is shown. Look at verse 27 with me. It says, and beginning with the prophets, uh, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. What an amazing tour of the Old Testament these disciples were just about to go on. It's a Bible overview led by Jesus. And Jesus says, you see, all that's written in the Old Testament, you see, all of this, all of these promises, they're all found in me. It's all about me. Every sacrifice is fulfilled in Christ. Every shadow in the Old Testament, Christ is the reality. Uh, Christ is the new Adam. Where Adam fell at the tree, Jesus conquered at the tree. Christ is the coming prophet. He's even greater than Moses. He's the one all the other prophets spoke of. Uh, He's the coming king with greater wealth and splendor, even than King David. He's wiser than than, than King Solomon. He's, He's of greater wisdom. He's the perfect lamb without spot or blemish that every daily sacrifice and Passover resembled. He's the true scapegoat who's cast out into the darkest place so that you and I might never be. Jesus is that great high priest, tempted in every way, yet without sin for us. And unlike all the other high priests, He doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sin, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed once and for all when he offered himself on the cross. Amen? That is good news of great joy. Do you see? All the types, all the figures, all the shadows find their fulfilment in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. 
Here's the key to understanding the Bible. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Well, thirdly and finally, disciples are excited to know this. Disciples are excited to know that it's all about Jesus. Look at verse 30 with me. Jesus takes up uh, their offer of hospitality, enters their house and breaks bread with them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, when are our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their eyes are opened, their hearts are burning within them as God is at work through his words to his people. Jesus' disciples have hearts that burn within them when the scriptures are opened. Well, what does that look like? Well, it's more than just the share of information, isn't it? It's more than just that. Uh, I think it includes being emotionally stirred by Jesus as we hear his word being read and his words being taught. We're moved by Jesus in our spirits, in our hearts. And that leads to a profound kind of excitement as we see the Lord Jesus Christ with greater clarity. And that gives us comfort. It gives us comfort that Jesus' promises are true. It gives us supernatural comfort in our lives. And what do their burning hearts lead them to do next? Well, they go out. They go out on a new route and they go at once to Jerusalem to go and tell their story moved by Jesus. Look at verse 33 with me. They meet the 11 others uh, and they kind of gather together and they listen to what's being said. People are speaking about the resurrection. They're saying, it's true. The Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. And they're sharpened by what's being said. And then they then share their story in turn. Do you know what? I reckon these disciples would have told their story over and over again. Hundreds, maybe thousands of times. Go on, tell them again your story. Tell us what happened on the road when you walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Tell that story. What's the reason for your hope in the risen Jesus? Tell us. Perhaps their story went a little bit like this. For years, I knew exactly what life was all about and where I was going. I was walking along the road with a mate of mine called Cleopas, and I realised all my hopes in life made no sense in the face of suffering and death, and I felt broken because of it. Then I was taught the scriptures. My heart burned within me. All at once, the pieces of the puzzle made perfect sense. It's all about Jesus. I understood I saw Jesus for who he is. I accepted him immediately. And now I have a reason to live. The resurrection. My days are no longer miserable. Life means something to me once again. I wonder, could you do that? Could you distill your story down to a hundred words to share with someone? Well, Mike, I wonder if you could do that for us. But I'm going to set you a challenge. I've got a box of matches here. I'd like you to share your story using just one match. I know, I know you're going to want to have another match, but you can't. You've got, you've got one match to share your story uh, before your fingers burn before us. Do you like what I did there? Okay. So, um... so you're asking me to share my story of hope whilst holding a burning match. Yes, please. So no pressure. No pressure. I thought it would be easy. Okay, thank you. Right. Well, when I was a youngster... I remember. Come on, light the match. <laughs> crossing a, an Abbey River 
with my dad um, using some old, um, uh, some ancient stepping stones. And uh, it was great fun, um, except when the stepping stones were slippery or when there was a bit of a gap between them and then suddenly it was scary. Um, and my walk with Jesus is a bit like that. Sometimes uh, it's kind of really easy, easy steps of faith. Um, but sometimes it's really difficult because, um, because... Cheeky. I was just going to give you one. Like um, getting ordained or going abroad with my family as missionaries or trying to tell my story of faith whilst holding a match. When I was a youngster, I could make a leap of faith really easily because my dad was walking beside me on his um, right next to me with welly boots on. And I find as. <laughs> I find that with the Lord Jesus right next to me, step, every step of the way, I can make, keep on advancing as a Christian because he knows where we're going and he can get me there. And even when I face the river of death, I know that he will get me safely across. Amen. Shall I have a go? One, one match. <laughs> For my whole life, up until the point I trusted in Jesus, it's like I had my hand held out over the self-destruct button. That's all I wanted to do with my life. I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do. I was the boss. <laughs> oh, no. There we go. Thank you. I've got to look at the match, too. In Jesus' light, we see light. Okay. There we go, it's burning again. Uh, looking back, I could see that I was caught in this downward spiral of self-destructive behaviour. And then amazingly, someone opened the Bible with me. And it's as if Jesus walked off the pages of Scripture and into my life. And he gave me the power to be able to live a new life with power. Oh, it's still going. With a new power to say no. And um, I'm, I'm immensely grateful to Jesus for that, and I always will be. Well, it's a challenge, isn't it? I wonder if we should put an evening on about sharing our faith with matches burning. What do you think? If you'd like to come, you're more than welcome to. We'll, we'll, we'll have a chat um, about that. Wouldn't it be great, though, if we were all prepared and ready, concisely, to be able to share our story about what the risen Lord Jesus Christ has done for us and to be able to talk about that? Now, there's going to be opportunities to come in this year where we're going to be able to do that together as a church family to go out and speak to people about our story. So can I really encourage you to, to think about your story, to think about how it is that God's worked in your life. Now, we're not asking you to be able to take us all the way through salvation history, beginning at creation and ending at the new creation. We don't want you to do that. We want you to think about your story, how God's impacted your life. I'm just going to give you a few small tips on how to unlock your story. Perhaps your story is one of fear and anxiety. Maybe you've worn a straitjacket that's paralysed you in life, paralysed you from flourishing in the freedom of life that Jesus wants for you. And then you met Jesus, and he's your liberator. He's set you free and suddenly given you a confidence that's been unlocked in your heart. Maybe that's you. Maybe your story is one of being in like a, a lifelong popularity contest. 
Your single goal in life was to win friends and influence people, to impress people uh, with your life. Then you met Jesus. And now your focus has been turned towards others, to serve others, instead of trying to wow a crowd. Maybe that's you. Perhaps uh, for you before knowing Jesus, life was really hard and lonely and broken. Maybe you're from a dysfunctional family. Days and nights spent in desperate loneliness and isolation. But then you met Jesus and you found out what it means to be adopted in his family. Now you know what it means to be cared for and loved and wanted. I think telling our story can be as simple as that. Three steps. Who you were before. The difference Jesus and the biblical gospel has made to your life. And what life is like now. And so secondly, I think it's worth searching hard on those three foundations to be able to speak about that. What's the key word or concept that describes you before you met Christ? Self-destruct for me. The fact that you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the key word or concept now that describes what your life is like as you walk with Jesus. And you continue to battle to live for Jesus. And thirdly, perhaps, for some of us, maybe we need to repent um, and think that, um, maybe we think that our story isn't bold enough or big enough. Maybe kind of we think our story's a little bit boring. Maybe you're from a Christian family and over a period of time you waded into the deep end and you're trusting Jesus now. But actually you really wanted a dramatic, radical change in your life, a moment that God broke in in some powerful way. Or perhaps you have had that lifestyle, you have lived a, a kind of radical out there life, and you can remember God breaking into your life in a powerful way, but you look to others and think, oh, if only this would have happened sooner, I'd be so much further along the road in the Christian life. Well, I think for both sides, we need to repent, because God is the one who's brought us to where we are. And here's the incredible thing, God can work through you for his glory and for the benefit of other people. And so I'm sure he did that this morning, Leah, through what you were saying to us about you meeting Jesus on the Alpha Course. So here's our challenge to each other. Can you write your story in a hundred words? Can you boil it down and be concise and not need three matches, but just need one? Sorry, Mike. Um, because there's power in your story. Boil it down, refine it. And pray for opportunities for God to use you to speak about your story for his glory and for the good of others. Do you know what Simon told his story of the risen Jesus? The two on the road to Emmaus told their story about Jesus. Now it's over to us to tell our story. Here are the rules. A pen, a piece of paper, a hundred words and pray. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have a better story to tell than the world does. We thank you that by your death and resurrection, we have life and life to the full. We pray that as we think about our stories and your work in our life, help us to be clear and concise, help us to be good communicators. Please sharpen us with one another and make us to be people of deep gratitude with a profound hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that in his name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.
Just a moment, guys. Um, whilst we're thinking about our year of mission, um, last week we were telling you, or two weeks ago, I think we were telling you about a book, Honest Evangelism. Um, we had 10 advanced copies and they all went. Uh, we've got a few more on the bookstall. So um, this is our book for the year. Uh, do please go and get yourself a copy. I think they're five pounds each. Is that right, Adam? Five pounds each. Okay, fantastic. A great book. Um, you heard about it before. And um, for house groups um, to uh, practice talking about Jesus together, uh, there's a great new um, course that's been supplied to us by the diocese, Talking Jesus. So um, get your copy of this for your house group from uh, Neil or Adam. And you're right. Okay. One thing from Adam. Uh, there's three examples here of stories of hope, one written by Mike, one written by Neil, and one by myself. There's a coffee table in there with copies on. Feel free to take one, two, or three. I should have said that earlier. Thank you, Abby, for printing these. So that's uh, an encouragement to you with our stories. Have a look at them and see how you can distill your story and tell it your story of Jesus. And because uh, Adam said uh, practice makes perfect, uh, I'm going to do that. Does anybody remember the game Bop It? Remember Bop It? We used to play uh, 20 years ago. And they had that, yeah, you were kind of twisting things and hitting things and whack it and bop it and so on. And then this American voice would say, do it again, but but better. Okay, well, that's what I'm going to encourage you to do right now. Okay, so you've had some tips about telling your story. So turn to each other again. This time, you've only got a minute. All right, get ready. Tell your story <laughs> now. Go. Okay. Okay. Okay, so later. Okay, that's the first person, change people, turn around, other person gets to tell their story. <laughs> 